Good morning, everyone. If I've not met you yet, my name is Brian Simmons, and I'm blessed to serve as the preaching minister here at Oak Crest, and that name tag, so I would not forget my name, which is pretty good. So now if we just get all of you to wear name tags, then I won't forget your name, but we'll see if that works out or not. Hey, I don't want to make you hungry, but I have a couple of questions for you this morning before we in. So let's assume for a moment you're going to eat some spaghetti. Now, it doesn't matter whether you like spaghetti or not. For this purpose, assume you're about to eat some spaghetti. Do you, A, cut your spaghetti into manageable portions and put it in your mouth? B, do you stick your fork in the middle of it and twirl it about like it's some kind of a toy? Or C, do you just kind of slop it in your mouth because you're hungry? So who cuts it into manageable portions? Okay. Who twirls it around a fork? Okay. Who just kind of slops it in like a college student? <laughs> Charles is very proud of that, aren't you? All right, scenario number two. You are going to eat some corn on the cob. Doesn't matter whether you like corn on the cob. Doesn't matter whether you can eat corn on the cob. You're going to eat corn on the cob. Do you A, eat it vertically where you twist the corn ear like this, and work your way around, or B, do you eat it horizontally, where you eat an entire row? Or C, do you like scrape the corn off the cob? <laughs> Who eats it vertically, where you're rotating the corn, okay? Who eats it horizontally, like a typewriter? Okay, Tyus, a typewriter is an old machine people used to use. Okay. <laughs> Does anybody do anything different, like cut it off the ear of the corn? Okay. We now know who to pray for today. That, that's great. <laughs> the fact of the matter is, these are all food-related habits. And I guarantee you, when you go to lunch today, you will experience food-related habits. You'll pick your glass up with your left or right hand because that's what you always do. Your food will either touch other food on its plate or it will not touch, as in Leviticus, because that is what you always do. It is a habit. And the reality is a lot of our lives are governed by habit. Uh, just take today, for example. Most of you entered in the same door you always do when you come to this building. You probably parked in the same general spot as you did in this building. You're probably seated more or less in the same spot in this particular building. In fact, once upon a time, several years ago, when I was preaching back in Portland, Oregon, a couple of people thought it would be funny to pull a joke on Brian and have the entire congregation of 350 people sit in a different spot on a Sunday morning. And so when I stood up to preach, I thought for a moment, am I in the right place? Because this is just wrong. You see, our lives really are governed by habits, but I want to make a few observations about habits before I bring this around to what I think we want to talk about today from Luke's Gospel and some other places. Let me start with this. Your habits are not just your habits. Uh, the reality is our habits reveal our identity. That They really do. It's not just that you eat corn that way or that you sit in a certain spot or that you do certain things. It says a lot about your identity. There's a guy in my neighborhood, I kind of call him the mayor of the street because the guy wanders around the neighborhood, takes a morning walk every day, and he just says hello to everybody. Hello, how you doing? How you doing? He's just the mayor of the street. That's his identity. Now, some of you that are baseball fans are old enough to remember Mark Fidrich. 
Fidrich was a baseball pitcher for the Detroit Tigers way back in the 1970s. And Fidrich was kind of an odd bird. In fact, his nickname was Mark the Bird Fidrich because he was tall and lanky and had this curly, kind of blondish hair, kind of looked like Big Bird. But when he pitched, as is shown in this slide behind me, he would rake the pitcher's mound with his fingers, and he would talk to the baseball before he pitched it or after he pitched it. Kind of an odd guy, but that was his identity. His habits on the pitcher's mound really separated him from every other pitcher in baseball. And in fact, he had about two really good seasons, won the Cy Young Award one year, the best pitcher in baseball, and then tailed off and was nothing. But he was known for those habits. Our habits oftentimes reveal our identity. And sometimes our habits reveal what we value. In fact, you show me your habit, and I'll show you a good bit of what you value. Some of you are in the habit of being places five minutes early because you were raised that five minutes early is on time. That's what you value. You value your time and other people's time. Others of you, well, let's just say that time is a weird kind of concept that maybe means something and maybe doesn't, you know what I mean? If you're supposed to be somewhere at 11 o'clock, you might be there 11-ish. It shows what you value. So, for example, in my own life, each morning when I wake up, one of the very first things I do is I go to the kitchen and I make my wife a cup of toasted coconut coffee. And I take it to her as she's getting her day started. <laughs> because that shows you what I value. My wife, Sharon. Okay, moving on. The fact of the matter is that we do find our habits showing what we value. When I was a kid, Tyus, when I was a kid, I used to read this thing called a newspaper. Okay, okay, good. And the idea was, when I, when I opened up the newspaper at breakfast, I always read the sports page first, as God intended, because that was what was most important to me. I valued the sports page. I didn't read the comics. I didn't read the front page. I certainly didn't read the entertainment section. I read the sports page because that's what value is to me. Now, you, if you had read a newspaper, might turn to something else, and that's fine. You might not make a cup of coffee for your spouse. We'll leave that alone for a moment. But the reality is our habits show what we value. And obviously our habits can be good habits or bad habits. I shared with one of my classes just last week the research about the use of profanity, and the use of profanity is a habit. I've known a lot of students that have gone into the military that did not make use of profanity, but after boot camp, they picked up the profanity habit. It's a bad habit. But some habits are, in fact, good habits, right? Praying each night before you go to bed, praying before meals, all good habits. By the way, rescuing turtles is also a very good habit to be in. But you know as well as I do that we can run through the list of good and bad habits. And, and finally, I think I have to also say that some habits just occur almost out of nowhere, but others are intentional, right? Sometimes you just kind of fall in the habit of biting. You're not quite sure how that began. I'm not quite sure how you can account for where you sit in this building. I mean, maybe you came here once and sat in your current pew and just haven't had the courage to go somewhere else, or you just happen to like that particular pew because it's a little more padded than the one next to you. But other times, our habits are intentional. 
On Monday, Wednesday, and Friday mornings, I rise before the sun does, and I run about five miles. I do that intentionally. In fact, I've been in that habit for a long time. And I know that if I ever don't run for a period of time, I run the risk of falling out of that habit. Just as you know as well as I do, that sometimes these good habits that populate our life, if we don't keep up with them, we will lose them. Now, you may say to yourself, great, that sounds fine, Brian. We've had a little fun talking about spaghetti and about corn and habits. What in the world has that got to do with anything related to church? Well, there's a passage in Luke chapter 8 that I want to point you to. And it's a passage that we oftentimes, I think, overlook. In Luke chapter 8, Jesus is in the midst of his ministry. He's very popular. He's doing miracles. Word has gotten out about this preacher who wanders around from town to town. And we pick up the story in Luke chapter 8, verse 19. Now, Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd around Jesus. And someone told Jesus, hey, your mother and brothers are standing outside. They want to see you. And Jesus replied, my mother and my brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. And I've underlined on the slide, for those of you that are here in this particular building, the word practice. Now, this is radical because in the culture of the New Testament, back in the first century, your family was your kin. It was your blood. In fact, your identity and where you stood in life's social circle was all about your family. It's about blood. It's about kin. Your name said a lot about you. But this is radical because Jesus is saying, it's not my lineage, it's not my family that's most important. No, what's most important is what you do. And in the original language in which this was written here in the New Testament, in the language of Greek, that word practice is kind of a fancy Greek word that's poieo. Poieo. And the word means to carry out regularly. That sounds like a habit to me. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, about 6 a.m., I'm running. Every morning, I'm at the coffee maker making toasted coconut coffee. Every Sunday morning, Scott Bulmer is right over there. He's never over there. He's never up there. Poyeo. And so it seems that what Jesus is getting at is that those that are, in fact, most pleasing to God, those that are part of Jesus' family, are not people that are blood-related, kin-related, but those that hear God's word, which is what all of you are hopefully hearing today, and you put it into practice. In fact, one way to think about your faith is to see it as partly a habit. Or to put it differently, one way of enacting your faith is to see it as a habit. So there was a philosopher named William James who was talking a little bit about this, and he wrote a book, and in the book he says, when full-grown, being religious is as natural as any other habit. In the same way that I can't really imagine not making my wife a cup of coffee in the morning, I can't really imagine on a Sunday morning not being in a church somewhere. In fact, I remember one day back in Portland, <laughs> There was a car accident right in front of the church building, and the car involved in the accident had knocked out a power line. And so there was no power to the entire neighborhood. And so we weren't able to have worship services at the building that morning. It was the strangest thing in the world. And so the shepherds and I and other ministers were phoning people and you know, trying to text people and say, hey, we can't come to the building today. There's no power. In fact, it's kind of cordoned off the first responders. And 
it was the strangest thing in the world because on a Sunday morning at 10 a.m., I'm like, what am I going to do? And so my wife and I went to another congregation and worshiped, and it was weird <laughs> because we were attending the Metro Church of Christ, not the Vancouver Church of Christ. And I thought, that's kind of weird. I mean, I love the people at Vancouver. I know many of them, but it's not my building. This is not my habit. And so I think for many of us, we understand the naturalness of this habit that is our faith. If you're in the habit of praying at a certain time of day, you understand what I mean, well, what James means, when he talks about it being a natural habit. Contributing to the work of this church is a habit. Reading the Bible on a regular basis is a habit. What we did this morning in taking communion is a habit. In fact, I have to be honest with you, the first time I came, to this church family way back in March. And you took communion at stations in the back? I thought, whoa, whoa, whoa. Not theologically like, whoa. But just in the sense of, well, that's not my habit. Which, by the way, is one reason why every once in a while, Dwight or myself or others will explain how we take communion together. Because it's our habit here at Oak Crest, but it's not other people's habit. They're used to trays being passed or something like that. And so when Jesus says, hearing God's words and putting them into practice, I think it suggests something about habit and our faith. Now, you see this elsewhere in the Bible. It's not just in Luke chapter 8. If you go way back to the Old Testament, to the book of Job, you'll see another instance of someone putting their faith as a habit. So this is a story about Job. And before the story really gets going, we get a glimpse into what Job's personal religious life looked like, what his faith looked like, how he enacted his belief in God. And so in Job chapter 1, beginning in verse 4, it says this. So Job's sons used to hold feasts in their home on birthdays, and they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And then when a period of feasting had run its course, Job, the father, would make arrangements for them to be purified. So early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of his kids because he thought, well, maybe my kids have sinned or cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. Now, I'm not a scholar in the Hebrew language, but I've read people that are, and they tell me that the original language in which this was written, that phrase, regular custom, means the exact same thing. Is that Greek word in the New Testament, poieo, regular, repeated behavior. Elsewhere in the Bible, in Luke chapter 4, we see Jesus in the midst of his ministry. When the Sabbath day rolls around, it says Jesus went to Nazareth, here in verse 16, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. And then he stood up to read. The fact of the matter is, Jesus went to church, as it was back in his day, because it was his custom. Now, that word custom in the Greek language is related to poieo. Okay, it's part of the same family of words. So, Job in the Old Testament, Jesus in the New Testament, they're enacting their faith as a kind of habit. And then not long after that, in Acts, we see the same thing with the early disciples. In Acts chapter 3, the whole chapter opens up with this. One day... The apostles Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. You see, the ancient Jews had a system set up whereby they prayed at certain times every day. It was their habit. 
In fact, ironically, at that point in time, it wasn't all that different from what the Muslims do today when they're called to prayer at certain points of each day. Here's the point of all this. The point of all this is to say that there's a sense in which, both in the Bible's examples and just in our own lives, we recognize one way to see our faith is that it's a kind of habit. So now let's circle back to what we said earlier about habits and see how that matches up with what we do in our faith today. We said a little while that, a little while ago that your habits reveal a bit of your identity. Well, maybe your Christian faith habits reveal your identity. Have you ever known somebody who's just so encouraging that in that church family they're just known as the encourager? That's just who they are. That's their identity in that church family because they're so good at encouraging people. That's a really good example of someone whose Christian faith has an identity tied to something really important. Now, there's also, years ago, this guy named James the Just. Okay? This is a piece of art from the Renaissance that kind of shows what James the Just might have looked like. James was called James the Just because of this. James the Just often went alone into the temple and prayed on behalf of the people he knew. He prayed so often that his knees acquired the hardness of a camel's knees. This guy was known for praying so often that his knees had calluses on them, like the knees of a camel, because a camel, I'm told, kneels down so often that it develops calluses. Can you imagine the beauty of being known as someone who prayed so often that their knees were calloused? Can you imagine being known as that person who prays so often for their grandchildren, for their children, that they think your knees are calloused? Now, we're not going to lift our pants today and say, hey, let's see your knees and see whether you're praying or not. But what I will say to you is that I think there's something to be said for how your Christian faith, as you live it out, becomes part of your identity. Now, earlier we also said your Christian faith and your habits also reveal what you value. So in the same way that it's important to me that I love my wife and want to bless her in the morning so I bring her coffee, in my Christian faith, my habits show what I value. Now, the shepherds here at Oakcrest are wonderful, wonderful people that lead this congregation well. In fact, I've been blessed to work with elderships and shepherds that are really, really good. And the ones back in Oregon at the church where I preached for several years, they met for two hours every Sunday morning from 7 to 9, or when we had two services from 6 to 8. And we spent the first hour to an hour and a half in prayer. I'm going to confess something to you. It's hard to spend an hour and a half in prayer at 6 a.m. on a Sunday morning, okay? When you've got about 12 people that all bow their heads and close their eyes and you start praying around the circle, if you're number 10 of 12, it's hard. But we did it because that's what those men valued. You know as well as I do, people vote with their feet. When you're tired on a Saturday night and yet you wake up on a Sunday morning and choose to worship with us, it tells me what you value. You see, it's so many terms we see that how we live out our faith suggests what we value. And so I guess I'm wondering this morning what your Christian faith habits show about what you value. Then I confess, in my own life, there are certain habits I would like to develop in the Christian faith. In fact, actually, about every, every couple of months I say to myself, you know, I want to do better at writing little notes of encouragement to people. 
And so I'll get a couple notes out and I'll start to write a note or two. And then after I've written two or three notes, I fall out of the habit. I want to do better. I value encouragement. I'm just not very good at being in the habit of sending those little notes. We also said earlier that habits can be good or bad. They can be lost or they can be kept. The same is true with our Christian faith. The reality is that good Christian faith habits can be lost or acquired. A lot of people fell out of the habit of attending church during the COVID pandemic. And one of the things that many church families are wrestling with is how to get people to come back because of what they're missing by not being a part of an every Sunday church family. For the worship that occurs through streaming and through other online platforms, it's great. It's a blessing. It's just not the same. It's like I tell my students, you can take my online class in the winter if you want to, but it's not the same. I mean, taking a class from Brian Simmons online, it's not nearly as helpful. I don't think it's nearly as good a class as taking a class from me in person. And the reality is that oftentimes we recognize it's easy to fall out of the habit of prayer. It's easy to fall out of the habit of attending church. It's easy to fall out of the habit of encouraging people. It's easy to fall out of the habit of being patient. It's easy to fall out of the habit of self control. And so I have to wonder this morning what habit we have fallen out of that maybe we need to fall back into. Earlier this morning we said, hey, sometimes habits just happen, but more often than not they're intentional. The same is true with our Christian faith. You see, the fact is some of our Christian faith habits might just happen, but I think most of them you have to be intentional. In fact, I think you must be intentional to develop the kind of habits that will make our faith vibrant and effective and really, really meaningful. The reality is, just because you've been a Christian for a long time doesn't mean you're going to fall into the kinds of habits that would be a blessing to your life. The reality is that just because because you've seen a lot doesn't mean that you're going to have the kind of habits that put into practice the word of the Lord you hear. And on that note, I would encourage you to take what I call the intentionality challenge. The intentionality challenge is my way of saying, would you perhaps identify one thing, just one? It can be a big thing, it can be a medium thing, or it can be an itty bitty small thing. One Christian faith habit that you want to develop. So for example, this is a very large building and we are all spread out in it. And sometimes it's hard to talk to people or meet people. Could you develop the habit of saying, When I come to worship, I'm going to say hello to three people. It might be three people I know. It might be three people I don't know. It might be two people I know and one person I don't. But could you be intentional about trying to make people feel welcome when they come to worship the Lord with this church family? I think that would be a good habit to be in. When you drive around town and you're stuck at a red light, as all too often happens to me, could you get in the habit of praying for the duration of that red light? Because if you develop the habit of praying every time you stop at a red light, you'd be amazed at how much more often you pray. I don't know what it is in your life, but I do believe that all of us could work intentionally on cultivating more habits that put into practice the Word of God that we often, often hear. You see, all this habit stuff, it's not just important for you. It's not just good for me to be encouraging, good for me to pray. It blesses other people. In this church family, in your family around the dinner table, it blesses other people. 
And so if you get in the habit of praying, your kids just might pop in on you while you're praying. And that's a good thing. If other people hear you encouraging people, then they might pick up the habit as well. And that's a good thing. Look, habits are such a small thing. How you eat your corn, how you eat your spaghetti, where you park your car. But you add them up and they accumulate. And I think they say a lot about who you are. I think Job knew that. I'm sure Jesus knew that. Pretty sure John and Peter knew that. And hopefully we know that as well. And so I invite you this morning to work on developing the faith habit. To work on making not just the silly habits like how you brush your teeth front to back, top to bottom, or randomly. Not just whether your food touches or not, but the really important things in life. To challenge yourself and develop the Christian faith habits. Oh, by the way, speaking of habit, usually, yeah, right about 10 to 11 or so, the preacher finishes up, and then we stand together and we sing a song. It's kind of our habit around here. And we sing that song because we want to create an environment or a space where people feel that they can act on what they feel as if the Lord is leading them to act on. And so as is our habit, as is our regular custom, Kyle comes in a moment and leads us in a song. And I believe the song we're going to sing now is an old standby. It talks about the blood of Christ, and it talks about how that blood, that sacrifice, can bring us to right relationship with God. And so as is our habit, if you want to work on your habits, if you want to be baptized for the forgiveness of sins, if you want us to pray for you about your habits, about your life, this is a great opportunity to do so. So as a church family that cares about God, that cares about our faith, that is interested in Christian faith habits. Shall we stand together and sing?